Most of St. Louis's attention next month is on the conclusion to the hotly contested race for mayor between Tashara Jones and Kara Spencer. But there's another important matter on the April 6th ballot, whether to retain St. Louis's earnings tax. One supporter of keeping the tax in place is St. Louis collector of revenue Gregory FX Daily, and the Democratic official joins us on the latest episode of Politically Speaking to talk about the campaign over Proposition E. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. We have to talk about things that matter to people. I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to uh, the United States Senate. I think my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first. You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone who represents their values. After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make. Welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host today, Rachel Lippman. Joining me via Zoom, as we have been, I think, for about a year now, are two of my colleagues at St. Louis Public Radio, uh, one of my fellow political correspondents. Jason Rosenbaum. And joining us for the first time, I believe, on the podcast as a host is St. Louis Public Radio's economic and business development reporter. Hey, I'm Corinne Ruff. Glad to be here. And our very special guest today is also a first-timer on the uh, Politically Speaking podcast. Joining us from South St. Louis, where his political base is, is um, our recorder, or excuse me, our collector of revenue. Rachel, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And and remind us who you are. This is Gregory Daly, is the uh, collector of revenue. And uh Mr. Daly, um, you like this is your first time on the podcast, and so we we do like to have our first time guests kind of tell us a little bit about themselves. So, uh, let's start with um, that question. First of all, who is and what does the collector of revenue do? Rachel, uh, the collector of revenue is uh, is is the one person. It's an elected office every four years. And uh, this will be my fourth, I'm, I'm serving my fourth term as the collector of revenue. Collector of revenue is, is uh, put in a position to collect all taxes here in the city of St. Louis. We are involved with personal property and real estate. Uh, we're involved with earnings tax. We also collect trash and refuse taxes. We have a... Uh, a fee office, a state fee office where individuals can come and uh, get their license plates, get their uh, driver's license renewed. So we kind of, uh, anything that has to do with taxes in the city of St. Louis, we're pretty much the designee. The office generates about $700 million a year. So obviously, we're an integral part of the revenue source in the city. We, um, you know, we send out all those nice little letters to all of our city constituents once a year, uh, right there, first week of November, for your personal property and real estate taxes that are due on January the 1st. Those fees that are collected are designed to go to 14 different agencies throughout the city of St. Louis. The biggest one being the St. Louis Board of Education, which gets approximately, say, you know, 60% of those fees. 
And then our, our next biggest one would be the earnings tax, which we're going to talk about today. And then on, in the basement, we have the uh, trash and refuge, uh, which is due on a quarterly basis. So as you can tell, we keep ourselves busy here on a year-round basis. Now, it sounds like this would be a position that just could take a lot of abuse. Nobody really likes to pay taxes. There's, you know, they're, they're necessary evils. What made you want to run for this office and then to keep running for this office? Yeah, Rachel, you're pretty much on time with that. Uh, it, it's always amazing to me. Uh, I am blessed with a, with a staff that uh, we are very much involved with customer service. Um, you know, there is, there's a lot of reasons why people don't particularly care for the collector of revenue. So it's our job to change those ideas to uh, make it, make our office run as professionally as we possibly can and certainly extend the courtesies that go along with that. Uh, it is something that, you know, nobody likes to pay taxes, but it's our job to try to make sure that we, we make sure that people understand their responsibilities and, uh, and understand what is required by law and try to do that in the most professional and courteous way. And give us a little bit of a history about how you found yourself running for collector of revenue. Um, you also do hold sort of other more political positions within the city. Why was that the office you chose to uh, to go for? And, and how else do you stay involved in politics in the city? Yeah, uh, uh, Rachel, I, I have been involved uh, in city government for some 40 years. I started out um, back in 1980. Uh, what was interesting is there was a gentleman by the name of Tom Zish who ran for president of the Board of Aldermen back in 1980, and uh, I was Tom's campaign manager, and uh, fortunately, we won, and uh, at that time, Tom asked me, he said, uh, you know, would you like to come on board as, you know, my administrative assistant, and uh, at the time, I thought, well, this will be, be a good job for a couple of years. Well, 40 years later, I'm still at City Hall and enjoying every day. I was at the Board of Aldermen for some 18 years, and then uh, Governor Mel Carnahan uh, appointed me to the position of license collector, where I served there for, I think, eight years. And uh, during that period of time, uh, the previous collector of revenue was Ron Leggett, and Ron had resigned, and at that particular time, uh, when, the, when the position became open, uh, I decided to run for collector of revenue, and, uh, and again, uh, was fortunate to win with the support uh, throughout the city. I enjoyed uh, a situation there with the uh, Urban League president, Michael McMillan, Michael became the licensed collector, and then I took the position of collector of revenue. So one of the things you mentioned your office does is handle the money that comes in from the earnings tax. And we brought you on today partially because in April, city residents will see on their ballot a ballot item uh, asking them to renew the earnings tax again. Um, for those who may not be kind of familiar, why is that item even on the ballot to begin with? Rachel, uh, I, I want to say 
10 years ago, I, I could be wrong, but there was a, a situation that was brought before the voters of the city of St. Louis to ask uh, if they, if voters would consider re, uh, considering every five years bringing the earnings tax up to be to be looked at and voted on to to ensure that that would continue. This is the third time it has been up for uh, consideration. I want to say, oh, uh, I think it was 2011. Uh, it passed by a, a large majority. And then 2016, it passed by an also large majority. But this is, this is just the process that comes into play. And uh, in 2021, it's up, for, it's up to, uh, for renewal at this stage of the game. So I wanted to jump in here and ask, I mean, this is an effort that's been widely supported in the past. I mean, the earnings tax makes up more than a third of the city's budget. And I wondered if you could just detail, like, what, where does this money go? What kind of services does the earning tax help support? Yeah, Corinne, what happens is uh, 30, it's, it, uh, the earnings tax generates about $240 million. And uh, that goes directly into general revenue, which encompasses about 36% of the budget for the city of St. Louis. Uh, when I say general revenue, that is something that all of us participate in. Uh, you know, if you're driving down the street and, and there's a pothole and, and your car hits the pothole and you're upset, you call Citizen Service Bureau, uh, that money that part of that general revenue will come out and, and fix that pothole. Or if you're at the park and, you know, enjoying uh, rec parks and recreation, uh, tree trimming, police and fire are major participants. So general revenue is that 36% of the money or $240 million is something we all participate on a daily basis. Uh, on a daily basis. So we actually see that money affecting our everyday lives. And the loss of uh, a third of the city's revenue, and, and if this is defeated, it would happen gradually. I think that the way that the law was written, it calls for it to, I think, decrease by like a tenth of a point over a, a period of time until it goes down to zero. But I mean, for those who may be sitting there going, wavering on whether they think this is a, is a good tax to keep supporting. What does blowing that big of a hole in the city's budget look like? What, what happens when a city loses that much money coming in? Well, uh, $240 million is a is a huge number, big number. And uh, I think, you know, you, you just have to assume that if that goes away, I think what you'll find is that Property taxes, real estate taxes will skyrocket. Uh, you know, at this stage of the game, there is no other plan to plug that $240 million. So uh, it, it is essential, in my estimation, it's essential that we retain this tax. One of the interesting parts of the earnings tax is that individuals who uh, live in the city, obviously you, you either have to live in the city or work in the city to uh, pay the earnings tax. And 70% of the earnings tax that is paid 
is paid from uh, individuals that live outside the city. When they come in to enjoy the zoo, the parks, the ballpark, or whatever, as far as some of the things that we have as a city, then obviously we're in a position to provide their safety, their enjoyment, their entertainment, and that's part of what the inter- uh, the earnings tax does. So uh, it is it is a tax that if you do not work, you don't pay. If you're retired, you don't pay, or you're in between jobs, you don't pay. So it is a tax only based on individuals that are currently working. So I'm the designated county resident of this show. Corinne and Rachel live in St. Louis City. Um, and it's, it's always been interesting to me, even though I've only lived in the county for about three years, that when Rex Singfeld and his people basically crafted this ballot initiative, they only had like St. Louis City residents and Kansas City residents vote every five years, not county residents, Jeffco, St. Charles. Would it be fair to say that if he had crafted it that way and people like me were voting on this, that the earnings tax would be in a lot more danger of being repealed? I think that's a fair assumption. Uh, you know, it's hard to tell. You know, campaign hasn't been run in that direction, but I, I would think that uh, there are individuals who don't live in the city that feel that, uh, you know, the earnings tax is something that shouldn't pertain to them. To follow up on that, I'm not one of those people, by the way. I, I want the city to succeed. And, you know, I pay about $550, $600 of earnings taxes, even though I live in the county. Um, but what would you say to people who live in the county and that pay maybe less than that, maybe more than that, who are like, why does it, why does it benefit me as a non-city resident for the earnings tax to still exist and for me to still be paying for it? Well, I do think that the city of St. Louis is a regional uh, attraction to, obviously we have baseball, we have the zoo, we have all kinds of attractions there that people who do not live in the city come in and visit, thank goodness, and make that part of their scope as far as their entertainment when they're bringing, you know, bringing their families or bringing people from out of town. And it's very important for us as a city to maintain a presence and, and give these people an atmosphere of, of first safety and then make things that are presentable. And I, I, I do think that it's very important that as a region, that the city of St. Louis, it's, it's pretty much the locomotive here that, that, drives, that drives the region. So I think it's our responsibility to make sure that we present and uh, give to the people that come in from out of town uh, a, a good, safe presence. I know this would kind of be, you know, reinventing the past in hindsight 2020 thing, but back in 2010, when this initiative sort of originally came up and the statewide campaign to force these every five year votes came up, should there have been a larger effort to defeat it kind of back then, Um, you know, nip it at the bud? Or was that just going to be impossible because it was a statewide vote versus a regional vote? Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, I, I think your point is well taken. 
the the every five years gets to be a little cumbersome. Uh, I think it's it's something that now we have gotten to a a place. Well, I hope we've gotten to a place that I think people have a better understanding of the earnings tax. And, uh, you know, it is something that I, I feel that is necessary here for the city. And until we develop some kind of a revenue source that is ready to take on $240 million a year, then the earnings tax, I think, plays an integral part in how the city operates. So the five years seems to be a little cumbersome, but, you know, it's it's the nature of the way it was written. And uh, I'm kind of with you. I, I, I think it would have been uh, something uh, 10 years ago, you know, hit it the one time and, and make it or break it. I'm wondering if you're hearing more people question the earnings tax and sort of also, if you've seen any kind of organized campaign against it, I mean, I've heard chatter just about people during the pandemic. A lot of people are still working from home who previously worked in the city. And as Jason was saying, work in the county, work in Illinois, work in other places or live in other places. And I'm, I'm wondering if you've heard more people questioning, why do we even have this earnings tax? Is that a bigger deal now than it was five years ago? It actually, uh, uh, no, not really. Not really. I, I think that because one of the good things of, of the thing that does come up of, of, the, of the fact that it does come up every five years is that it gives, uh, gives the city uh, a time to educate some of, some, of its, uh, some of its residents and also people outside the city, educates the public as to how important the, the earnings tax is to our city. And you see sometimes that, you know, things come up on the ballot and, you know, that was, there was something that you thought was involved in this particular uh, ballot proposal or issue or whatever. And then you voted for it or you voted against it just because you were ill-informed or because it, it didn't receive some of the publicity that, uh, that, that was actually involved in the proposal. The one good thing, uh, as, as this comes up every five years, is that it does renew that educational process that I think to all residents, all city residents. And I think it shines a light on the, uh, on the earnings tax from others that don't live in the city, how important this is. So I, I, I just will say to, to the fact that uh, the every five years, it's a little cumbersome. But by the same token, I do think it's a source of education and a reminder to people who do use uh, city services. And we will be right back after this short break. And we are back on Politically Speaking with City Collector of Revenue, Greg Daly. I'm joined by my colleagues, Jason Rosenbaum and Corinne Ruff. I'm Rachel Littman. And um, Collector Daly, I I'm wondering if... Obviously, there's not a ton of uncertainty around the earnings tax. Like these are still pretty big victory margins. 72% of the vote is nothing to sneeze at. But I'm wondering what impact that, you know, the idea that you have to vote every five years on a key source of revenue has more broadly on bond ratings or, you know, other economic impacts for the city. Do, do you see that playing out sort of across uh, other departments or other places uh, where, you know, uncertainty over revenue can make a difference. I haven't seen that 
that would certainly be a question more directed to uh, the comptroller of our city, Darlene Green, but I have not seen that. Uh, I, I do feel that uh, the 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 people involved, the different bond issuers and 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 people involved in, in those particular things, uh, they they are they are comfortable with the fact that uh, you know we do have a, a, a strict revenue source of of in this particular case, earnings tax, $240 million every year. So it has not seemed to be an issue up to date, up to this date. I, I, I want to shift a little bit to another issue involving the earnings tax, and that's legislation that is moving through the General Assembly right now. It would allow somebody who lives in St. Louis County but works in the city, but has been working primarily at their home to seek a refund more easily for the earnings tax. Now, before I ask about this bill, is it already possible to ask for a refund if you are working from home? Because my understanding is that's already allowed, but I think the scope of what refund you could do has some parameters around it. So that's my first question on this issue. Jason, there is. There is a process that is in place that if individuals who work for a city-based company but live in St. Louis County, if they, if they are to go on a business trip or whatever the case may be and be out of town, then we have a process that is in place that they would submit to our office uh, their their, their, whatever, wherever they were, their, uh, being out of the, out of the city, if they were in Cincinnati or wherever the case may be. And then we would refund those particular days, uh, that they were out of the city. Uh, we are, we're pretty much abiding by a 70 year old statute that this has been in place for some 70 years. And, and uh, we have been doing uh, refunds for people working out of the city of St. Louis and in other cities throughout the states for, for all of that time. So mm -hmm. it's a matter of them submitting some of their travel uh, material to us. We do a case-by-case -case study on everything that comes down to the office. We review that. And then we make a determination as to whether or not uh, there should be a refund on the on the earnings tax. I think that your question is more directed to individuals that are uh, currently working from home. And uh, what we have made a decision here in the office is to uh, anybody who is working virtually from home, but they're they're based their company is still based in the city of St. Louis. We have made a decision to continue to collect the earnings tax. Uh, it is something that uh, as an office, we have looked at and as the collector of revenue, it is my job. It is uh, something I was elected to do. And I think the people of the city of St. Louis elected me to collect taxes. And that is the position that we have made at this stage of the game is to collect taxes on anybody 
uh, as long as they their company is based in the city of St. Louis. Now, I'm reading from an article from the St. Louis Business Journal. Senator, Senator Andrew Koenig, who's a Republican from Manchester, uh, the legislation defines wages subject to the earnings tax as not including, quote, any work or services performed or rendered through telecommuting or otherwise performed or rendered remotely unless the location where such remote work or services are performed is located in the city. The article goes on to say that if a taxpayer is denied a refund for work not performed in the city, he or she can sue the government to recover what's owed plus attorney's fees. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're probably not for this legislation because if this legislation passes and lots of people who live in the county start requesting refunds, I, I have to imagine the city is going to lose tens, if not low hundreds of millions of dollars from this. Is that a fair assumption or am I overstating the impact of this? No, I think it's a fair assumption, Jason. And uh, I think uh, uh, State Senator Koenig is is cert certainly listening to his constituents, and uh, he feels that uh, he he felt uh, that it was necessary to bring something up before the legislature. But uh, I think it's a fair fair assumption that yes, uh, the city of St. Louis would be against that legislation. I'm just wondering if you expect there to be any kind of uh, you know legal challenges to your interpretation right now of collecting revenue. The idea that you know if your company is still based in the city, that's enough to be considered that you know you are working in the city of St. Louis. Yeah, there has been uh, Rachel. There's been some conversations in those directions. I have not, I have not been uh, directly involved with that at all, and don't expect to be until. I guess until it happens, but uh, I think what Jason has alluded to, there has there has been some discussion, and uh, we'll just wait until that takes place. Uh, again, let me reiterate: uh, I feel that it's the position of the collector of revenue to collect taxes and and uh, actually abide by the seventy-year-old statute uh, pertaining to earnings tax. So I'm going to just play devil's advocate again, because as I said on the first part of the show, I would not be one of the people asking for a refund because, like, I don't think it's worth the time. And I do see some value in my $600 going to the city because I'm in the city all the time. I use its parks. I use its streets, all that sort of thing. But if you live in West St. Louis County and you're paying six, seven, eight hundred dollars in earnings taxes, but you primarily have worked from home during this pandemic over the past year. Like, and I and that person is like, I don't understand why I'm paying earnings taxes if I'm not setting foot in the city of St. Louis. Uh, what would you say to that person? Well, I, I you know, I certainly I, I certainly understand their concerns. Uh, and I, you know, it's it's something that you know, we're we're in some new territory here. Uh, I think the pandemic has has certainly put us in a, a situation where some things that were normal aren't normal anymore. And uh, I think that because of this, there, there are some questions out there that, uh, you know, need to be probably answered. And, and uh, I, I just don't know how that's going to take place. Again, I, I resort back to the uh, my position is that uh, it's it's my job as the collector of revenue to collect taxes. I do I do feel that there are some 
some concerns of individuals that live in St. Louis County. And, and obviously, you know, we are going to, to listen to them. And, and certainly the procedures that we have had in the past uh, are still in place. So if they were uh, out of town or whatever the case may be in another state, uh, we are going to certainly consider those as we have uh, for many years and will continue to do so. I've got sort of a, a, a political question about this election coming up with the, the Proposition E vote. This is the first time that the uh, vote on the earnings tax will overlap with a mayoral election. And this is the first general election in the mayor's race that will matter in quite a while. And I'm wondering how you think those two elements are going to play out. Do you now come into this from a position of strength? Because I have seen messaging among a lot of the groups who, you know, kind of play in mayoral politics that this is also an earnings tax or is also a measure that needs to be supported. Yeah, Rachel, I do. I, I, I feel that uh, this is an opportunity and I, I'd like to take this opportunity to first off, thank Mayor, Mayor Krusen for joining me uh, and and putting this campaign out in the street and out before uh, the uh, voters of the city of St. Louis. We've both uh, taken it upon ourselves to make contributions uh, to maintain a, uh, a committee to try to generate a viable campaign uh, to get this and educate the voters uh, each the mayor and myself have both donated $50,000 a piece to put a campaign out there and field something to, to educate the voters. Having said that, with the, uh, with the mayoral election uh, on the same ballot as, the, as Prop E, I would like to take this opportunity to thank both uh, Treasurer Tashara Jones and Alderwoman Kara Spencer for supporting the earnings tax. And to go into this a little bit further, obviously these two individuals are, are working day in and day out, uh, trying to get their, their, their message out. And we are very fortunate, uh, the mayor and myself, and, and I'd like to say a lot of other people in the city are very fortunate to be part of that message that both candidates are supporting uh, the earnings tax. And I think that only serves uh, Prop E in a, it very well and gets the message out maybe even a little bit more than, than we could have, just because of the interest in the mayoral election. Before we sign off, I have one very important question for you. When is your new mixtape coming out? When is my what? When is your new mixtape coming out? There was a there's a running gag on Twitter from the St. Louis Post Dispatch food uh, writer that you appeared on a concert with uh, Taylor Swift announcing your new mixtape. So I wanted to know when your <laughs> next mixtape is coming out. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that to everybody's suspicion, and I'm just gonna keep that out there, Jason. If we're if we're you and I are talking about this, man, I got something special out there, brother. And I'm, uh, I'm just going to keep that out there and just keep everybody talking about it. Wow, this is a cliffhanger. I, yeah, I, I'm not even sure I know what we're talking about here, but, you know, <laughs> shows, shows you the Twitter circles that I roam in. 
<laughs> on that note, for all of our stories about mixtapes and otherwise, you can go to our website, stlpublicradio.org. I'm on Twitter at R. Lipman. That's two P's and two N's. Corinne, where do you orbit in the Twitterverse? What's your handle? I am in the Twitterverse at Corinne Susan. And Jason, what's your handle? Jay Rosenbaum. And uh, Collector Daily, where can people find you on, and maybe the Proposition E campaign as well, in uh, social media on the World Wide Web? Oh, I think uh, the best part would be just call the office and call my, you know, we, we, are, we are a daily G at stlouismo.gov, and uh, we're going to do the best thing, best way we can to, to keep the message out there. I would very much like to, to thank you, Rachel. Uh, Corinne and Jason for the opportunity here this afternoon. Uh, very much appreciate just the back and forth and trying to educate our voters. And, and Jason, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for being on. Until next time, so long.